0: I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She.
1: The dash that you have on your tombstone, there's a year that you were born and the year that you died. Work that dash and provide the biggest impact for all those that are around you. Be the best mother, wife, friend that you can
0: be. Judy Toland is an executive with Facebook in Chicago and oversees a team of 450 people. Her education and training as an engineer prepared her for problem solving of all kinds. Once she understood she wanted to change careers from one of engineering to marketing, she got busy building her skills and knowledge to be an excellent marketing professional. She recommends this for other women. Find out what you want to do and get the education and skills to prepare for and earn the opportunity. As a black woman, she is passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her family has a long history of valuing education and being small business owners, which has surely prepared her for her role at Facebook. Judy cites powerful statistics which affirm that diverse teams are very good for business. She drives outcome and impact, and she says she loves being her authentic self at Facebook. Enjoy this podcast with Judy Toland. Today I have with me Judy Toland, who is Vice President and Head of Scaled Solutions for the Global Business Marketing Team at Facebook. Her team is 450 people that she oversees. This global role with Facebook involves her being responsible for all digital marketing, marketing analytics and attribution, marketing governance and operations, marketing technology, and business education and certifications for Facebook's business audiences. She was appointed an additional role as head of the Facebook Chicago office in August of 2020. Judy has sales and engineering as a foundation in her experience and education, with 26 years experience across five industries with five Fortune 500 companies. She has worked in tech, chemicals, automotive, financial services, and health and wellness. Prior to joining Facebook, Judy has held the Senior VP and Chief Marketing Officer roles with GE Capital, Wells Fargo, and Life Fitness. She was recognized in 2017 by the Secured Lender as one of the top 50 women in commercial finance, and Judy also serves on Curtis Simmons betting. Facebook has over $85 billion in revenue, more than 2.7 billion users, and 200 million businesses using Facebook's suite of tools each month. Facebook remains laser-focused on giving people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. So welcome, Judy.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's quite the introduction. Thank
0: it you. is. Uh, it's an impressive <laughs> career you have. Yeah. Um, Thank you tell us um, tell us what you do with Facebook. I think I understand your role, but uh, tell us a little about about that.
1: Of course, of course. so um, I joined Facebook uh, a little over two years ago, and I had the pleasure of leading all digital marketing, business education, marketing analytics, and marketing governance and operations for our advertising business. So the easiest way to think about that if you see a website, Um, where we're talking to businesses that advertise on our platform, our social media handles, our media, emails, um, plus all of the training that we do, the training of the various audiences that we serve, everything from job seekers to the small business owner to creators. We Uh, teach them we train them to utilize our tools so that they can unlock their their great potential and then of course we need to measure the things that we're doing so my market analytics team um, measures things and measures the efficacy of our marketing and then we have all the things that allow us to do our marketing in a process oriented way which is our governance and operations team so it's um, a really cool global job rapidly changing job but
0: that's that's what i do yeah. for Facebook yeah that's exciting. yeah we have uh, we are using Facebook um, as a social media platform for leading she and my marketing person and I uh, use the analytics uh, available there to yes. see when people open uh what time of the day you know who who the people are we actually have advertised on facebook too um and use the analytics uh you know the target audience and women and so forth to uh, promote the podcast it's been it's been pretty powerful well thank you for your business yeah you're welcome small little small little teeny tiny (laughs) part of part of your Uh revenue i'm sure you have uh you have worked with a lot of different types of industries which I think is fascinating um spend some time talking about your career and what you know and what uh we talked about you know the places you've worked and so forth mm-hmm. uh talk about your career give me some highlights
1: you know um uh, I got some sage advice from my uncle early on when I was in college and said that careers are journeys and just buckle up and enjoy the ride. And I didn't know what the heck he was talking about at first, but now I do, 27 years um, now. Um, you know, I started off because I, was, um, I loved math and science and I was quite good at it. It came easy to me and I uh, decided to, to major in engineering. And, um, you know, I, I laser focused in on chemical engineering because it combined those two passions. And so um, um, and the great thing about an engineering degree is that it teaches you a myriad of different things. But one, it teaches you how to problem solve, which is something a part of my brain that I use every day, irrespective of if I'm now still a practicing engineer. Um, but it also is a profession. Unlike some degrees, when you graduate, you are you're an engineer now. Right. Yes. You know, um, and so I started off in, in um, as a lot of chemical um, engineers do in uh, the chemicals industry, but very, um, very specific, the plastics industry and started there at Monsanto mm-hmm. um, and then was recruited out to join Ford Motor Company in the Detroit area and really saw the plastics that I was working on come alive as the backbone and the interior of the cars, right? I worked on everything and I'm dating myself from the 1998 Lincoln Continental yes. um, to the first ever um, uh, Lincoln Navigator. Um, the interiors of those I helped design and, and or either design or manufacture. So it was a really cool job where you could do things and you know, design things with your brain, and then see them drive down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, two, three years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do more. Um, many times when we had to present out as engineers to like the studios and things of that nature, um, uh, none of the engineers wanted to do the presentation, and they'd always say, "Judy, do it. Judy, you should just yeah. do it." Yeah. And um, and so I would, I I, I did it. I, I really was bad at it at first, just like awful at it, <laughs> but I was better than everyone else. Yes. <laughs> um, um, but I found that I enjoyed it. And I was mm-hmm. fascinated about the people that drove our cars and, and how they used them. And so Um, I decided to to get an MBA at night there at the University of Michigan-Dearborn, Ford. And then when they spun us off into Visteon, which was the parts division of Ford, paid for it. And I got my MBA in marketing Mm -hmm. and I entirely shifted my entire career. So I moved from designing the interiors of cars to marketing those same interiors that I was designing to automakers. So I talked to Hyundai and Honda and Ford and Chrysler and GM, and I was giving all these wonderful presentations. And it was a great transition because I was comfortable with the technology of it. And now I had the skills to market, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, did product marketing for years. Then actually I, I got some sage advice based on the fact that the best marketers, and I believe this to this day, have sold, have led sales teams. They understand what it means to carry a bag and to hit a number. And, um, uh, and so they said, Judy, you should go out and lead a sales team. And I was like, but I'm a marketer. I just got this MBA. You know, I no, I'm good. I'm super good. And they're like, no, we think it'd be great for you to lead a sales team. And so I got uh, appointed as sales manager and then got promoted to be a sales director for all of our interior business to Domino Chrysler, which was really cool. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Um, um, and then I pivoted. I went to a, a Black NBA, National Black NBA Conference, was hanging around waiting on my sister because she was actually working at the Hershey booth. And the lady from GE said, Hey, you know, their the booth was a little slow. Wait, what's your name? I said, I'm Judy. Da, da, da. We started talking. And she was like, wow, you know, you got an impressive background. We probably could use you at GE. And I was like, okay, cool. And I never thought anything of it. We exchanged information. Six months later, they called me. They said, you know, Lonnie Hall was her name. She says, Lonnie. She says, this is Judy. This is Lonnie. Um, remember, I told you I'd love for you to be a GE. It's not exactly what I thought, but it's still a marketing role we'd love for you to join GE Capital. I was like, but why? What? I mean, I'm an industrial person. You know, I've always worked in industrial. And they said, because you're bright. And we think we need good marketers in the capital side. And that started 11 years in financial services. So Mm -hmm. I joined GE Capital um, as like a regional CMO, then did customer experience, then business intelligence. And then I got promoted to lead a bigger sales team, all in financial services, which is essentially financing small businesses through their chain, mm-hmm. everything from RVs to appliances. And then I ended that run as a CMO there and they sold us then to Wells Fargo and I was still CMO. And, uh, you know, at, at that point, then I, I, I started having a reflection because I was pregnant. I was going to have my first child. I said, you know, do I want to keep doing this forever? And, um, I did something that I don't recommend. Don't do this for okay. any woman We're that's listening. out there. Yes, <laughs> but don't do this. I actually change careers and jobs and companies on that leave. I oh, don't recommend league, that. yeah. That's yeah. right. On maternity leave, yeah. Wow, so, that's a lot of change. It's, it's, it's a lot of change. <laughs> um, but I joined Life Fitness. Great job. Their first CMO. And then, so that was health and wellness. You know, I'm, I played sports in college um, for a little bit. I played all the way through growing up. So I was just really excited about that role. They're the largest commercial fitness equipment mm-hmm. manufacturer out there. And um, uh, they're about to go public. And, and then out of the blue, I got this very nice message from a man um, from Facebook, Mike PZ, that said, hey, we love your background. Would you like to give us a call? And really the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's, you know, that was, uh, what, two and a half years ago. Yeah. So that's been my career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you started out as a chemical engineer and and did you know did plastics at monsanto you then then you went moved on to design cars i mean yeah. what a shift what a what a pivot i mean but but i would think that as you are selling and making the pitches um that you have a lot of credibility because you are an engineer. You know, the people mm-hmm. are listening to you. You're selling, but you know what you're talking about. It's not like you're selling something you don't understand. You do.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. So it's, at some point you. you decided, it sounds like that, you know, this is something I feel called to. Uh, this is something I feel like I'm good at, and I want to make a shift here. And uh, got your MBA in marketing, and and it sounds mm-hmm. like that's where you – where you feel like your biggest, biggest strengths are, and maybe not the biggest strengths, but it's what you like to do. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm very passionate about it. I think, and and I'm very passionate about the intersection of marketing and sales. I call it marketing. So I'm a very, um, revenue business focused marketer. I'm not, um, your traditional brand marketer per mm-hmm. se, um, mm-hmm. even though I've done that. But, yeah, I've always knew I wanted to do more. I I, I was good at engineering. You know, the cars I had that, you know, uh, uh, that I designed didn't have a lot of major issues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was getting promoted. But I just felt like there was just more Mm -hmm. that I could do. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's been my calling ever since. And that was, I got my degree in um, in 2001. Mm -hmm. So it's been a while while ago.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, You had made a post on LinkedIn that says, Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to be a leader at Facebook right now. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. I'm driven to do more than I've done in the past because I recognized what it means to have a seat at the table. If I'm in the room, I need to speak up and use my voice to advocate for people whose voices aren't represented. That's how we can make sure they have a seat in the future, which is okay. a beautiful thing to say. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the first part is just really um, remembering and grounding yourself that you're in the room for a reason,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, to, to to speak up, speak with your. Full background and knowledge and expertise, and then speak confidently. And so that's something mm-hmm. that um, um, that I've always rooted myself in. And then the the, the, next, the next thing is that you know, and our, our vice president said this um, early on is that you know you may be the first person in the room, just make sure you're not the last one. Yes. And so yeah. uh, by doing that is just being you know very much um, focused on driving outcome, driving mm-hmm. impact, mm-hmm. right? Um, And uh, one of the things that really attracted me to my current role in joining, um, you know, the company that um, I am humbled to work at right now was the scale, the scale at which we could impact communities, um, communities that look like mine, um, uh, individuals that are working in the tech uh, sector that are diverse, you know, the first of their family, whether they're a refugee, an immigrant, Mm-hmm. you know, the, um, the college graduate. Um, and so and that has always centered me. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the last thing is that I do a lot of work, a lot of mentoring and sponsorship. You know, the whole point of this, if you're the first in anything you're doing and you don't want to be the last, you have to build the network of those that come behind you
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just really focus on um, uh, encouraging those that you see doing good work. Speaking positivity into those, seeing things that like I had mentors, I have my board of directors of counselors and mentors, and they used to see things in me that I just did not see Mm -hmm. at all. You know, they're like, you, do you have a talent for this? I'm like, what you sure about that? You know? Mm -hmm. And so I try to in turn do that for others Mm -hmm. so that they then can see and rise to their greatest potential.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've said before, I've heard this that you cannot know yourself by yourself and that uh, when mentors, we really count on them to tell us what they see and give constructive feedback. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good, but uh, I think it's important to believe what they're saying, what they see, right? Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, Another thing you said uh, on LinkedIn, I love working at Facebook where I can authentically lead. Uh, How do you authentically lead?
1: Yeah, you know... um, It's a shame that it took me 25-ish years to work at a company where I really could feel my entire, you know, bring my entire self to work, but here we are, right? I'm a Gen Mm -hmm. Xer, um, you know, but like prior places, I always felt I had to twist myself as a pretzel into a box to present myself in a way that was acceptable, um, in order to ascend to a certain career trajectory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, I graduated the mid nineties. That was kind of what was needed. It was needed for a woman in a lot of spaces, Mm -hmm. right? I'm the only woman in many of these engineering teams. Um, and then, of course, you know, often the only person in, of color and mm-hmm. specifically only black person. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I always felt I had to present myself a certain way, be interested in certain things, even though I may have had some of those interests, um, only talk about certain topics and all of that is exhausting. Like, yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was giving, it's exhausting. <laughs> I, I was giving someone, I was on a panel early on in my Facebook career and I, I told a story, um, that, I used to go on vacation and take a day off on the front end of the vacation and take a day off on the back of the vacation. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I do that is that I take the day off to get my vacation hair done and beautiful corn rolls or braids, yeah. you know, so I could then go off to my fabulous vacation with my husband. And then I would take that second vacation on the back end to take it all down. Oh. So then I could go back to the appropriate straight or perceived appropriate straight corporate hair. So I wouldn't get any questions about Judy, your hair is different. Or how did you do that? Or people touching my hair that I didn't like permit to do that. And (laughs) just, just, you know, I'd be like, oh, wow, you look very ethnic or things that. Mm -hmm. And the the fact that I'd have to do that is ridiculous. And so I always tell people early on in their careers, don't do that. Don't don't be like the earlier Judy, right? And so I can wear my vacation hair. I can have um, books of Cicely Tyson in the back or that wonderful picture that I have, you know, for those that are listening, have a picture of a woman with these Afro puffs right? That Mm -hmm. would not be acceptable in those. And I can bring my entire self. I can talk about what I'm passionate about and, and, and how I want to see better things in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's authentic leadership. And there are many people that don't fit that corporate approach that can't act and say and verbalize their feelings that are really at the the tip of their tongue because they won't be viewed as acceptable or they may be others and that's just it's it's unfortunate
0: that's really what you're talking about is really big um and and i've done it i've done what you are talking about i was in a corporate setting in early in my career for 13 years at a bank and and was a lender and i felt the pressure to be a certain way dress a certain way talk about certain things and and I, I had not fully integrated, you know, who I was as a person with that corporate, you know, expectation. And what you're talking about is really having everything aligned now and not yes. feeling like you have to be a certain person or say a certain thing. You can be yourself and still be an executive in a powerful role. I mean, that is okay. that's beautiful. That, that is really wonderful. Yeah, and it would have yeah. to feel good. Like, you'd like you don't feel like you have to kind of suit up and like, okay, we're going in and being this other version of me that what you right. folks want me to be. That's, that is, right. that's, that's
1: right. But you also have leaders um, where I'm at now that, you know, in the wake of George Floyd's death mm-hmm. or, you know, in the wake of, you know, another police killing or shooting, they know to check on you and be like, are you okay? Yeah. You know, do you just want to take a time to like, um, take a moment and tell me what's on your, on, on your Mm -hmm. mind. Do you need, you need takes time to to mentally process in most worlds, no one even pay attention, nor did they care. Right. Right. Um, and so that's also just the aspect of just bringing your entire self to work, which Mm -hmm. is is a blessing. And the good thing is now that the genie's out out of the bottle, genie's not going back in.
0: So I can't, (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for me. I mean, we reach a point and I think our society, I think our what's expected at in the workplace has changed a lot, you know, and what colors we wear, how we how we do our hair, you know, what we say. And we can bring in our opinions, you know, you have to be careful with some of the politics and so forth. But, you know, somebody says said on the podcast, Barbara Turner, actually of Ohio National, said, When you see something, say something. Yeah, I love that, you know, and and we we have to. We have to mm-hmm. say something when we see something. And so it is part of being authentic, I think right. Right. I also saw a post about, your family and you having a history of uh, your family um, being small business owners and wanted to talk a little about your background. Where'd you grow up? Siblings, parents?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm from a a Northern suburb of St. Louis, Missouri called Florissant. It's Mm -hmm. uh, French. It means Valley of the Flowers. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, I grew up with three siblings, so my younger brother and sister are twins, and my older sister is um, about six years older than me, and my parents, my dad. My mom was a kindergarten teacher and a um, first grade teacher until um, my brother and sister came along, and then she just decided to stay at home, which Mm -hmm. was a blessing for us. And my Mm -hmm. dad worked for the Department of Defense as a cartographer and a geodesist, which is essentially a, a maker of land and space maps. Um, Hmm. for 36 years. And so um, we had a a wonderful kind of black version of the Brady Bunch, you know, except (laughs) there's no divorce, you know, it's just lots of kids and lots of fun. And, um, um, uh, but I also grew up in a very, very large extended family. So my mom is um, the second oldest of 12 kids. Mm -hmm. And so my um, maternal grandfather, Charlie Lawrence, was a small business owner Um, He actually um, worked the day shift as a truant officer. He owned a icebox and candy store in East St. Louis, Illinois, Mm. which is just across the river Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of St. Louis. Right. And um, at night he worked the night shift at Boeing. And so I don't know how this man did all of those things, but, um, you know, he delivered the ice for the ice boxes. You know, I always thought ice box was just like a, no, it actually used to be like a big chunk of ice and yeah, go in the box right. Right, and, and keep the, um, keep things cold. And the candy shop is there as well. And so that's where my love of sweets and candy came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that really helped put my aunts and uncles, every single one of them have at least an undergrad a BS degree which mm-hmm. you know um, my my mom was born in 1941 my aunt was born in what 1939 mm. that's unheard of it for is. a black family to all of them have degrees and mm-hmm. so that's um my um and that's all because of charlie lawrence and Lawrence lawrence working really really hard to put all mm-hmm. their kids through college mm-hmm. then on my paternal side my my dad um grew up in oklahoma city oklahoma um and he's the second, so he's a junior. Uh, my grandfather was a senior, and his his uh, my grandfather owned uh, a cleaners where mm-hmm. they would you know, press everyone's, and this is back in the days where, you know, people would get like their jeans clean, like, yes. you know, you would get a press crease. No one does that anymore. No. But, you know, they, they did that to make sure that the, you know, the primarily black community felt proud and, 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 and in their, in their clothes and that they dignity. could go to work, right. And go to it, right. And have that dignity. And so that it, uh, um, Both of those sides of my family ground me in small business ownership, Mm -hmm. right? That we can do, we can do better than those in front of us, but we also are servants to the community. And so in my my current role, it's just really great that I get to work with small businesses um, in a myriad different ways and empower them in the same way that I can just... I often see, like, you know, I can picture my my grandfather's kind of going out and, and doing this wonderful work as small business owners, and so that's mm-hmm. what grounds me in my current role. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a little bit about my, my background and mm-hmm. where I grew up. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, you've worked in B2B businesses, B2C industries. How do you How do you find that you lead differently in one versus another, and how are they the same?
1: Yeah, I mean primarily my my career has been in B2B and B2B to C. Okay. I have done as, as 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 not as much in direct B2C. I see. Um my leadership principles really don't change. Um, they're what ground me in my servant leadership approach. But the marketing does change, right? The mm-hmm. language, the you know, the way that we um, um, craft our narratives and our, our messages. A business brand is different than a consumer brand. And um, I find that um, the most challenging has been the majority of my career, which when you have a B2B product that then influences or shows up on the consumer side as well. So um, from a marketing leadership standpoint, you have to almost think of your brand in a through line approach, Mm -hmm. right? How does this through line not only play and identify with business owners, which are the front end, but when it lands, whether it be when we were marketing financing to RV dealers, that RV dealer at some point that RV was in the hands of a consumer, you know, and what did our brand as a financer look like once it got there to health and, you know, wellness, right? Where you're making commercial equipment, but you have a, a, a consumer uh, version of that. And so the complexity, the um, the way that you plan your marketing, integrated marketing, your social, your email, your web presence can be complicated. And so what I've learned just very succinctly is the more simple you can craft and not simple meaning um juvenile or you know beginning but simple meaning plain common language in whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. and and your marketing will go just a lot further especially when you're through lining from a b2b to a b2c Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: Yeah, i mean take the complexity out of it or try not to you know, make it very a very simple message. I think that's, that's what you're right.
1: saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. and um, but a lot of times when you have these type of uh, marketing environments, the messages are complicated. Mm-hmm. So that's the gift of being able to convey complex topics and ideas, but in a very simple and easy to understand yes. way. Um, an art, and
0: that's. It, it is an art. Yeah. Yes. I understand you love sports. You follow sports, you understand football and, uh, you played some co- uh, college soccer, I understand. So tell yeah. me how that has benefited you perhaps, uh, been an advantage, you know, in your career.
1: Yeah. I, you know, look, it's, um, um, I played one year of club soccer, Northwestern was about to go varsity and, um, uh, it was a blessing. I played soccer growing up a long time. I played against some of the greats, Mia Ham. Um, mm-hmm. I played when I was in high school, and um, she was really good. But she didn't score on me. I just want to let Judy know <laughs> for the record, I did.
0: I did mark her for twenty minutes, and she didn't score on me. She <laughs> Mia Ham did not score on Judy Toland. <laughs> that, that's, that's all good. That, yeah, that's, that's a good, all that uh, tagline. Bears.
1: That's right. But, you know, look, I love sports. I played sports, softball, soccer, basketball. Um, but then I, you know, I follow sports and I got it from my mother. My mother um, is a huge sports fan, um, college football, you know, NFL and mm-hmm. um, women's basketball. And I found that for right, wrong or indifferent, especially in the spaces that I've been in and financial services and the auto industry and in the, in the rooms that I were in were largely male. Yes. almost entirely male. Right. It did not hurt to be able to talk about how, you know, uh, the bears prevent defense, let us down last night, mm-hmm. you know, um, or how the first round, round uh draft pick will really help us with our inside and rebounding. Right. And be able to do it in a way that I wasn't like taking someone's talking points, but actually knowing it. You knew right. It. Yeah, you, I, knew you it. I knew in it. I knew it. I was interested in it. And, um, I found out, especially when I was in sales and front end marketing, that um, if I was going out and many times it might be a white man, here I am, uh, you know, a petite black woman, what can we connect on? And I would just like try to take the tension out of the air and be like, Hey, what sports do you like? Oh, da, da, da. And, and most sports, unless they went to hockey and I knew enough about hockey growing up, you know, being in yeah. Detroit, I knew enough about the Red Wings that we could just connect on that point. And it just would just take the tension out of the room. Yeah. And so, and um, it was helpful. And it, look, I always tell people, be your authentic self. If you really don't like sports at all, then it's cool. Don't, it's don't fine. Try. Don't try. Don't try. Cause it, but like, if you have a cursory interest and you think that could be a connection with someone else, just do a bit of reading for you, go in and talk to them. It mm-hmm. helps. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. yeah.
0: I stay aware of it. Uh, I like, I like soccer. We have a professional team here in Cincinnati and yeah, I follow that. Do. We have season tickets. We love that. My husband and I used to play nice. uh, all the time. So, uh, but I think there are so many parallels between sports and business, the competition, the team play, Thanks. and all that that uh, it's a natural a natural thing to to love sports and love love business.
1: It is. It also teaches, you know, there's studies out there. It teaches young girls leadership very early on, especially team sports. Even if they don't progress, it's just, it's a really great breeding ground to build confidence and maturity. I agree.
0: You and I talked about how important it is that we own our careers um, and how to best manage it. And um, you talk about, uh, you'd also talked about, take the job for the next job and mm. don't chase titles. You want to talk yeah. about those, those areas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, um, you know, when I graduated college, you know, coming out of a highly competitive and highly ranked school like Northwestern, you know, I'm just like gung ho about, I got to get to X amount of certain job by this many years. And I want to have all these titles. And I remember early on a mentor of mine in um, automotive said Whoa, whoa whoa, you need to slow down and not be in a career hurry. Careers are journeys and they are marathons and not sprints. He said, the pace that you're at, you're going to teeter out like in the first, first lap. Um, so, so when I tell people about careers and owning their careers is that first of all, it's, it's always good to have a North Star vision. What do you want to be? And my first, you know, what, what is your ultimate dream job? And that can change early on. As an engineer, I say I have no idea what my ultimate dream job it, uh, I want, but it ain't this one. That one I do know, <laughs> right? And so, and I remember my mentor said, "That's good. You, you know, know what you, what you don't, don't like. want to do." Like he said, "That's that is that is progress." I was like, huh. okay, good. I feel good. I'm making progress. But um, he said, "Own your career in ways that you take roles, not for this role, but for the next role, because it helps you get to it. But what skills will you acquire?" in this next role that will add to your toolkit. If it's just, I like it because it's got a big shiny title, but it's going to be a uh, net sum, not expanding my skill you know, If I'm a market, traditional brand marketer, is it going to help me with digital marketing? No, well, I probably need to know digital marketing if at some point I want to be a CMO. Well, maybe I should take the job. Maybe mm-hmm. the title isn't as sexy, but it's going to give me these amazing skills that's what it means by owning your career because you're owning it based off of the skills that you're looking to build. Because early on, um, I was told by another mentor that you need to have a basic understanding and grounding and be known for something and be known for excellence at something. Work and be patient to build that. Because you know they said, what happens, and I've seen it, those that chase titles and don't take the time to get the foundational, like the, you know, the four P's of marketing in the old world, or, you know, someone that's a marketer doesn't take the time to really build their quant side. At some point they'll get to a job where they're in over their head.
0: Quantitative side. That's right. The Mm -hmm. quantitative side. And Mm -hmm. that
1: will be when someone, um, the flame out is, is real and it's not pretty yeah. to watch. Right. And so yeah. owning your career is looking at your toolkit, what you want to do, and then making sure you acquire all those skills. And, um, you know, coming out as an, um, with my MBA, I then, you know, and talking with people and having one-on-one conversations, I really started honing in. I said, I want to be a chief marketing officer. That's what I want to do. That is my dream job. I want to be a CMO. Mm -hmm. And so I I started looking at myself. I said, okay, I got the quantitative side down. I'm pretty good at that. I feel comfortable in that. But you know, all this and product marketing, I'm comfortable in that because it's design products, but like this whole brand and creative side and research uh, and customer experience, um, and probably some more sales. I don't have any of that. And so I went out and took jobs that allowed me to be a better or a better candidate for a CMO gig. And hmm. I remember the last job, I felt I was ready. I felt I was, I knew I was ready. As a matter of fact, I was telling everyone that would get two feet within me that I am ready to be a CMO. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I was interviewing for this job, a CMO job in, in Arizona with GE. And the gentleman said, you know, Judy, you're, you're, you got a lot going on for you, but you really haven't sold at a very high level. I mean, have you led a PL? Do you understand the pressures of business mm-hmm. at a high level? I mean, yeah, you were associate director of sales and automotive, but you know, that was early, that was 10 years ago. And I was like, what, but, but no, 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 but, but, but he was like, no. So as a CMO, if you're sitting there and going toe to toe with the CEO, who will be your boss or the chief commercial officer and saying, no, I think we need to invest in this Product or this brand campaign because it will drive this revenue. What credibility will you have whatsoever in that statement yes. if you haven't led a large scale sales team? I was like, huh, okay, I guess you got a good point. And so I then took a job yeah. and went out to lead a PL. And so that's about owning your career. First of all, getting some good advice, yeah. humbling yourself. But also just saying, okay, well, if I know I want to be a CMO, which is what I wanted, it's not for everyone, I knew I needed these key skill sets, and I didn't have all of those. And what happens when people don't own their careers, <clears throat> a lot of times they'll get frustrated, my career's not moving as fast as I wanted, I'm not getting the experiences that I need, you know, my boss isn't isn't you know putting me up for promotion. Well, none of that is really your boss's job. Your boss's no. job is to help coach you and develop you, but you have to strive for what right. you want in your career mm-hmm. and um, making sure that you're fully versed. And so that's um, what yeah. I say about not being a career hurry and owning your career.
0: Yeah. And ask people like you did ask people like where, where are the holes in, uh, where mm-hmm. are the missing pieces of the puzzle to help me go to where I want to go and, and be right. open to that feedback. Um, right. And then, but take, you know, take the driver, you know, take the wheel here and uh, don't expect other people to say, well, we're looking out for Susan's career. We want to make sure she does this or that. We have to take responsibility. That. And,
1: and a lot of times it's cultural. And so there's a cultural difference, right? Mm-hmm. So in many communities, people think that if you put your head down and you work hard, yes. someone will tap you on the shoulder at some point and see that you've worked hard and then promote you. And does that happen sometimes? Yes. Is that really the way corporate America actually works? No. Yeah. And so sometimes you need to go out and, and, and let people in on a bit of the secret and say, You know, um, and this is even uh, very much so for women, too, because we we will read a job posting and have eight out of 10 qualifications to be like, I don't have two. I can't apply. Yeah. You know, dang it while, you know, this is very stereotypical, but, you know, when we think of gender norms, a man will read it and be like, you know, I got four out of 10. I'm going for it. it. I'm going <laughs> for it. it. I, I know. know I can do it. And I know I can do it. And so I just try to lean in on those type of, mm-hmm. in those type of situations and encourage people, first of all, you know, um, fictitious employee, Jan, I see you working very hard. You're doing a great job, but yeah, I would, love to see you volunteer and do something over here. Maybe we can get you in front of this leader. Have you ever thought about doing this volunteer project? You know, have you done any speaking to encourage them Mm -hmm. to get out of their box, to raise their profile, but also to just do more Mm -hmm. because um, it helps them own their, their career and continue to ascend. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you are a woman, of course, and you're a woman of color. You're a black woman. Um, There was another quote uh, I found on Facebook that said, I'm proud of Facebook's $1.1 billion commitment to black and diverse communities. Facebook's culture empowers me to lead as a black woman authentically and unapologetically. And we talked about diversity and inclusion. What do you think today with everything we've seen, you know, with the George Floyd murders and trial and all the upheaval there. Um, what do you think companies need to understand about this, um, about diversity and inclusion? What are the big keys to really mm-hmm. be having a successful diversity, equity, and inclusion program?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, DEI, which I love the fact that we've inserted equity in there because it's, it's so important. Really the acronym is backwards. First of all, is that the way to really drive DEI in corporate America is to laser focus on inclusion and making those, even if it's one or two um, diverse candidates, employees, leaders that you have in your space, Um, or in your company, making them feel welcome, wildly included, wildly, um, you know, the fact that they feel encouraged, that they can bring their entire selves. Because you know what happens is that diverse communities, we talk. And so if I'm like happy at where I'm at I'll go tell someone at my church yes. I'll tell someone where I'm volunteering at um, you know I'm on a board and it will be a magnetic draw so focus on inclusion making sure you're developing promoting there's career um, that there's no microaggressions mm-hmm. that you make sure that you, you you show up in the spaces that you need to that your your your, your tool or your products don't do harm to certain communities mm-hmm. um, and then you know the the critical aspect then needs to be okay, let's focus in on diversity. And um, most of corporate America is not at the diverse levels as the general populations that they serve, right? And that's always a nice metric, right? Is the inside of your company as diverse as the community in which you serve and which you represent? Nine times out of 10, that's maybe not the case, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, And so um, by driving diversity, Um, That could be pipelining employees in, right? Um, Working with historically black colleges and universities Mm -hmm. with more um, middle career organizations um, to bring in more, you know, senior individuals, kind of like what Facebook um, has done with certain senior leaders. And and then just really also weaving DEI into all things Mm because DEI is not a program. Diversity, equity, inclusion is good business. Yes. Diverse teams driving diverse, uh, wonderful outcomes in diverse communities is good for business. Yes. All you have to do is look at the demographics of this country and the world. If you become much better of employing diverse communities, serving diverse communities, uplifting diverse communities, your bottom line will profit. That's right. It is yeah. very, very the easy is there, to see. The, the science and the math there. is mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. And so, um, you know, one of the things that... Um, that the, the last part is just this whole equity part. And, you know, you mentioned the, the announcement that we made to invest over a billion dollars in diverse communities and very specifically in Black communities. Um, that's where we start bridging some of the divide or at least trying to level the playing field just a bit for the long-term systemic Um, items that have called racial injustice and put people behind the eight ball. You know, there's that lovely DEI picture where it shows, you know, what diversity is, what inclusion is. And then equity is putting, you know, the shortest kid on a box so he can see over the fence, just like the tall kid, just like the other kid, right? There's that little classic diversity image that's out there. And um, that's um, a critical aspect that what you need to do in the communities that you serve, i.e., like what we're trying to do and invest in um, Black small businesses, Black creators, um, uh, Black students, you mm-hmm. know, giving them opportunity to unlock the economic potential, which is so important. Um, but also what happens, and what we've seen is that when you do that with the communities that you serve, it actually then makes your diverse employees even more happy. Mm. You have a higher retention rate. Yes. The morale is higher because they know the work that, they, that, you know, that they're doing really matters. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the last thing that um, uh, my boss would, would talk about when we talk about DEI, because I'm very, you know, very involved here at Facebook and a myriad of different um, pillars around diversity, equity, inclusion, is that DEI is not something we talk about. It is something that we do all the time. And so whether it be when we are out employing diverse suppliers, women-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses, API-owned businesses, um, um, when we make sure that when we are going out with our marketing, our marketing is diverse, the imagery is diverse, the language is diverse, we have diverse um, uh, viewpoints, our teams are diverse, so that things don't get out where your marketing is like, who in the entire tone deaf <laughs> launch this marketing campaign right I i've mean, heard so, those and she's
0: like what <laughs> who is who is behind this one you know exactly you're
1: like who uh, how many approvals this go through so we you right. know we're looking at having review panels to make sure uh people with diverse lenses and viewpoints see work before mm-hmm. it ships mm-hmm. all those things are the way that we do work it's not just you know, a lot of people think, oh, diversity, that just means hiring more, you know, diverse people. Right. No, it's actually everything we do about business. Yes. And it's just it's been a remarkable journey yeah. that, that I've experienced just recently at
0: Facebook. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I've got one more question for you. Um, <laughs> uh, you are a mother, you have a daughter. And what have you learned about being a mother that's helped you in leadership in your career? And what would you, what would you hope for your daughter? and her her life if she chooses to have a career or not
1: yeah Oh, okay the, the 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 hopes and dreams I have for my daughter are limitless um mm. and I could talk for hours yeah. um um but there's there's quite a few things that um that I have learned since um I've become a mother and you know full disclosure for those listeners I became a mother late in life I wouldn't have it any other way um um, but that has been my my journey and my testimony. And so it even makes this time period even more precious. And first of all, I think mothers are the best multi-taxers and also managers of our time known to man. Yes. Like I have, like, I don't waste minutes because no. those minutes I don't get back. No. And I remember being single, um, even, you know, a dink, you know, double income, no kids and like, you know, oh, five minutes here, five, it's no big deal. Now I'm like, oh my goodness, I have five minutes. I can do yeah. X, Y, Z. So I'm just <laughs> so much more efficient, so much more effective, That's True. I, um, which is great. I have to say this too, though, is that I am just a lot more balanced. My yes. life has- it always had meaning, but I have a legacy mm-hmm. that I want to, to, to see um, that will be there, which will be my daughter and everything she'll do in this world. And so what I do here is part and it's important and I'm imp- impacting lives. But my number one job is a mother yeah. is to make sure my daughter is the most successful that she can be. And so it has allowed mm-hmm. me to be a lot more centered. Yeah. It allows me to um, um, to be a, a bit more thoughtful yes. um, and introspective, in, uh, in my work, I found that my work has even gotten more um, more depth mm. because I just I look at things in so many different eyes. And you know, my daughter's about to turn four, but looking at the world through the eyes of a four year old is amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing and freeing. So I find that I'm a bit more creative. Um, God, which, is, which is, which exci- is, which is, which is exciting. But I, my hopes for her is that half of the things I talked about on this call, she won't have any experience with, oh, right? That um, gets me goosebumps. Yeah. that because... Yeah. I don't, I don't want her to have to worry about any of uh, half of those things. And I also want her to, however, to be very grounded in that she is extremely blessed and lucky. And and I want her to be grateful and empathetic for those that have less than her. Mm. Um, and, you know, what I, what I, I, I tell Zuri pretty much every morning, I said, we have control,
0: we don't have control over a lot of things,
1: but one thing we have total control over is that we can be kind Yes, we can be kind to people.
0: We can be kind. That's beautiful to pass that along. And, you know, you said something really, really powerful. And that is your, it sounds like your approach to work and your creativity and, and the impact of what you do, it, it takes on whole, a whole new meaning with a child, with when you have children. And that's yeah. true. I I it, never heard it said quite like that. Yeah, That is does. true. It um, does. Yeah. and And
1: I think it's, it does now, especially because I'm an older mom, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, I have less working years in front of me versus behind me, but I also know that um, work is temporary. You know, I was mm-hmm. at a, um, a GE conference and uh, there was a speaker and he said, um, work the dash. And I said, what is that? He said, the dash that you have on your tombstone, there's a year that you let, yes. you know, that you born. were born mm-hmm. and the year that you died. Yeah. So no one, you know, work that dash and do the biggest and provide the biggest impact for all those that are around you. Um, be the best mother, wife, um, friend, um, that you can be. He mm-hmm. said, so there's a few things that people won't say, and they probably won't say when they're giving your eulogy for that. Judy, she was an amazing marketer. But they'll say, they'll say that she was a great mentor or great mm-hmm. friend, great friend, uh, right? Right. Or she inspired me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, she, she, she spoke positive words into me. And so that's what tried, I try tried to center um, most days. And I really don't think that really resonated until I became a mother responsible for
0: someone else. Mm. So. Wow. Powerful stuff. And it looks like you're doing it, Judy. I'm, I'm really impressed with how, your approach and uh, your authentic, um, approach to your life and work, and uh, congratulations on a fantastic career. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders.